Hi there. Welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. We're so happy that you tuned in. Please join us today as we continue our series through the book of Matthew. Thanks for joining us online for our Branch Christmas series. We're so glad that you've joined us and we've prayed that God would use this series in your life in a special way. If this is your first time joining us or if you join us every time, we'd love to hear from you. So don't forget to fill out your online connection card. You can find that at branchlife.church. Also on our website, you can find all kinds of information about what we're currently teaching on. And if you're ready to join us in person, we'd love to invite you. If you fill out your connection card for the first time, we have a gift for you, a Matthew journal that we will send out to you. Uh, Just don't forget to fill out that card. We're going to jump into this special series all about the different lights of Christmas, and we know God has a special message just for you. So thanks again for joining us, and enjoy this teaching. Thank you for being here today. This is a, a fun treat, and you guys kind of get to, to listen in to, to Alex and I having a bit of a conversation, and uh, we're going to work through a text this morning together. Uh, Alex and I often get together with another friend, Steve, on Thursday mornings at 6.30 and, uh, in the morning and, and talk about the Bible and that, and so we'll restrain ourselves and behave a little bit more than we do at those times, but we're going to kind of... Uh, we didn't bring the coffee today. No, we, didn't, we don't have coffee up here with us, so often it includes Dunkin' Donuts and uh, yeah. But we're going to talk, and, and we're going to, to kind of follow up, we've been talking about different lights over the last month or so with our Christmas light series, and we've talked about some some kind of amazing and special lights that were part of the Christmas story. But I didn't have, even from the, the wings of an airplane as I flew back to the Midwest to, for, to see family and that, uh, I didn't see angels being illuminated by God's glory out the, the right wing of the plane. 
there wasn't a star, as far as I know, that was le- shining the, the path to O'Hare Airport uh, or, or then as we drove to Iowa. We talked about Jesus being the light of the world, and that is a, a fantastic metaphor and a great truth and really encouraging and life-changing when we understand it. But it, it, it's maybe a, 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 little, a little bit abstract of a thought. And then Josh talked last week about the fact that we're to be the light of the world and that, that salt and light from, from Matthew chapter 5. And, and I found myself being really encouraged and challenged throughout the Christmas light series, but, but none of those lights kind of show up in a real practical way that we can hold on to in our lives. Angels haven't shown up. Uh, Jesus as the light of the world is a great truth, but it's a bit of a metaphor. And we're going to talk this morning before we jump in next week to our Asking for Our Friends series and returning to the book of Matthew, we're going to talk this morning about one more light uh, from, from, from God's Word. And I want to just ask Alex as we get started, like, what are some like, ways that you actually lo- use lights in a day-to-day basis? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's pretty much for everything. As a father of two little kids, one o'clock in the morning, walking through my house, light is a good thing or you blow up your feet. Like, you know, like stepping on toys. Uh, we came home from the mountains last night. It was raining, foggy. We used the lights on our, our, our car. You used the lights on your airplane, I'm sure, coming down. And then we use lights to make things pretty, like the tree behind us. My wife went a little overboard on her tree this year, put a whole bunch of lights on it, blew some fuses, but it looked really pretty. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, we thought maybe for a moment this morning we're going to have to do another candlelight service, and, mm-hmm. and you know, we have lights that are, that are in here this morning. Uh, the Bible talks about itself, actually, as a light. And in Psalm 119, the longest chapter in the Bible, verse 105, and many Bibles, uh, if yours is like mine, uses this verse as kind of the, the title for this, this passage of Scripture. And it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And the reality is, is that the Bible is another light that God uses in our life. And it's a light that we can carry with us in a book like this, or many of us flip open a, an app on our phone and we can have it with us wherever we go to, to show us uh, a little bit about how God wants us to think about the world and him. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that this morning Some of you know that Psalm 119 is 176 verses long. So settle in. No, (laughs) we're just going to take a look at one little section of it and and talk about that this morning, but talk about this idea of the Bible as a light. Uh, Alex, we kind of have, I know, like, especially being up here, the right answer is we use the Bible perfectly all the time, every day. Every word that comes out of my right. mouth is just quoting yep, scripture yep. the whole time. I've noticed know, that just, about you. Yes, yes, yes. How, but, how do you use, like, what's the real story about your relationship with the Bible? Yeah, so my real story with the relationship with the Bible, just as you explained, we have access to it all the time, right? right? And if we, we look at it as a word of God and, and this light onto our, our, our path, right, and our life, you would think I read it way more than I do. 
probably, if I was going to be honest. Like, you know, my life is, it just goes through seasons. Sometimes I'm on fire, and I can just pick that Bible up and read it, and it might take one word to get me going, and I could sit there forever and just, like, dwell on that, that one aspect. And then there's times I'm like, when's the last time I looked at my Bible? You know, especially going into ministry and stuff like that. I'm always engaged on, on doing a lesson or developing something, and then I forget to read the Bible for myself and, and dive into it sometimes. So my personal life is up and down a lot. Um, but it's always something you go back to and you should dwell on and stay in. I think if we're honest with how we handle it, uh, when I'm with my friends and with people that are genuine, I think sometimes we get complacent um, in the fact that we would let Scott tell us what the Bible says, you know, or Josh tell us what the Bible says. We get in this, or listen to a podcast, or do something, and we don't actually get into it. And then there's also the other, other trap of just checking the box. As a good Christian, I need to read my five verses in the morning, write down what they mean to me, and then go on with the day. And i got to post on my social media my greatest thing. Now, you have to advance your You game, get bonus right? points if you yeah. use like a pretty picture or like yeah, a yeah. cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's evolved in not only the scripture, but the pretty picture as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's how I expect. If I'm genuine, it's up and down. Yeah. It's up and yeah. down. I think that's a reality for a lot of us. You know, we, we, we know that it's important, especially if we're, if we're believers, if we're people of faith. Uh, even those that may not yet call themselves followers yeah. of Christ may say, hey, that, that's a, a good book and mm-hmm. probably something that for the most part is, is a, positive, a positive or at least interesting thing. Uh, you know, the literature and, and all of that references and there's all these illusions that maybe a lot of people don't even realize anymore come from the Bible. But uh, is, that, is that it? And we're going to kind of to think about and develop this idea uh, from Psalm 119 this morning. I'm going to invite you to turn in your copy of, of the Bible, whether on an app or a, a hard copy there, and uh, to find Psalm 119. It's about halfway through your Bible, and uh, it's the longest chapter in the book, so uh, you, you find it there. And we're going to look just this morning at verses 129 through 136. So Psalm 119, verses 129 through 136. I'll read them for us as we get started, and then we'll kind of think about our our main lesson and and work through this together. Psalm 119, starting in verse 129, says this, Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. Redeem me from man's oppression that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, as we come to your word this morning, uh, use your spirit to help us understand it. Uh, God, uh, that we would be sensitive uh, to conviction if that's what's needed, that we would be strengthened and buoyed in our spirits. Uh, by your, your love and care for us as expressed in this passage. God, help us 
uh, to see truly what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. As we come and, and we think about what the Bible's role is in our life and, and how we should act and use this light that we have such easy access to, especially here in this country. Our lesson that, that we kind of want to work through and think about this morning is that the Bible helps us understand life by knowing God. The Bible helps us understand life by knowing God. And we're looking at it through this Psalm 119. And just to give you a little bit of a reference point on this psalm so we can get our minds around it a little bit more is this is kind of like a love poem or a love song about the Bible. Some of you, as in, in your young attempts to communicate, young love might have, might have wrote poems and uh, maybe even an elementary crush and, you know, you're trying to figure out how to put things into words and so you do an acrostic, you know, through the alphabet, A to Z, this like, is my love. Do you like me? Check yes or no. That's, yeah, yeah. That's acrostic? No. <laughs> kind of. I always got no. No? Got yeah. No. I struck out a lot in my younger days. <laughs> it's all right. That's what this, this, uh, this chapter is. It's kind of like A to Z. This is how amazing the Bible is. And so your, your Bibles probably have a reference point there of all these kind of funny words before each nine or so verses. Those are, are the names of the Hebrew alphabet. And so every verse in that section in the original Hebrew would start with that letter. And it goes through and, and goes through the, the whole alphabet. And so it is literally saying, hey, in every area of life, from A to Z, God's word helps us understand life. And it does that primarily by helping us to know God. And that's going to kind of be the little bit of a trick for us this morning, is to, to think through this idea that, that we're knowing God through the scriptures and that life is best lit, best illuminated, best understood by God's character. By God's character. And, and we see here in our passage, in verses 132 through 135, we see seven commands, imperatives, that are, are listed out in the scriptures. And as Alex and I were working through the, this passage, I asked Alex, like, what do you think's going on here? Yeah. And it was like, all of a sudden, he's telling God what to do <laughs> yeah. in the scripture. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little surprising because often we don't think, oh, I know what I do. I'll pray and I'll tell God yeah. what to do. But that's what happens in, in these verses here is that, that they're imperatives, they're, they're commands. And he's very bold in his prayers. And really what happens in the, the Psalms sometimes, there's some bold prayers in the Psalms. And the, what happens is, is the, the writer, maybe it's David here, I don't know that we know exactly in Psalm 119 who wrote this, but, but whoever wrote it knows God so well that he knows, hey, I can 
command, I can tell, I can speak these bold prayers to God because it completely matches his character. I'm asking God, telling God, hey, I want you to act like you have described yourself to be. And so we can pray bold prayers when we truly know God. Maybe they're only permissible when we know God. If we're like on the fence, maybe we should take a step back and, and, and be a, a little more tentative in our prayers. Still go and talk to him. But, but when we know God, we can be very confident and bold in how we talk to him. Verse 133 there says, um, or verse 132, well, let's start there. Turn to me and be gracious to me as is your way with those who love your name. Keep steady my steps according to your promise. According to your promise. So all of these commands that we're going to walk through and see here, the psalmist is able to say them very directly, very boldly, because they're according to what God has communicated about himself in the pages of Scripture. We're asking God to be true to who he says that he is. And it helps us to understand life. So the first thing that, that we see in this passage is that God is responsive. God is responsive. Verse 132 says, turn to me. Turn to me. We have a God who sees, hears, and responds. He sees us, he hears us, and he responds to us. This is not a given when people uh, have different approaches to God. Almost all Eastern religions have a view of God that is some type of impersonable force, ultimately, whether you climb the circles of karma or, or get enlightened as a Buddhist or whatever the case, it ultimately ends in some kind of impersonal force force. Our God sees and hears. He's personal. He interacts with us. He communicates to us with his word. And then he's, he's nearby us. Another major religion in the world, Islam, would say that God does those things. He sees and he hears, but he's so far removed that he doesn't really have a whole lot to do with, with creation. And it's just kind of like, hey, I hope it goes well for you. But we can never be sure until we, we, we enter into the, the next life. God responds to us. So the psalmist says, hey, turn to me. I know that you're like this. Alex, you've probably done, uh, you've, I've, I don't think I've ever, you're very personable and very aware of people around <laughs> you. But have you ever been like talking to someone and then all of a sudden they're not responding anymore? Yes. And you look over and they're like yeah. flipping through their phone. Yeah, well, I talk to my kids all the time. And then all of a sudden you look up and they're watching Stinky and Dirty on the TV. Yeah, And yeah, you're distracted, yeah. right? Yeah. They're, they're, yeah, it's not personable anymore. And that conversation just sort of takes a, a turn. Yeah, yeah. We can, we can get glazed <laughs> yep. over with media, with our phones, with movies, with television shows, just being exhausted Absolutely. and like not respond to people that are maybe sitting like inches away from us or like our kids, like on our laps. Yep. Don't, don't even know that it's happening. 
God is not like that. God Um, hears us and he responds to us. Um, It's kind of amazing. Yeah, and in cultures I've been around, that's like a huge, huge point. In Africa, we shared with people and we're like, you know, God loves you and he, and he, he, he died for you. And they're like, wait, he loves me. And it was just this, I just saw that glaze come over their face. Yeah. Like, I thought God was angry at me. Or yeah. like, I believe there's a God. I just don't think he wants to have a relationship with me. That's yeah. where I don't think he wants to respond to me. Um, and that's just such a beautiful aspect of God is that he responds to us. It's a yeah. personal relationship. It's, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. And like you started to talk about, you know, he, he doesn't just respond. He responds with grace. Yeah. That he's, he's gracious to us. So the next phrase there is, Turn to me and be gracious mm. to me. And grace is doing something to someone who can't do it or doesn't deserve it. Yeah. And, and probably the, the biz, biggest, the greatest example of that is not going to surprise you this morning. It's what God has done to, for us through the person of Jesus Christ. That, that even though we are sinners... And the Bible says that, that we're dead in our sins. We're completely unable uh, to do anything. God enters in and sends Jesus. We just talked about this at Christmas. So that we can have life through him, through his death and his resurrection. So that when we place our faith in Jesus and say, I can't do it, but I'm believing you that you can, we can have life with God that lasts forever. And it's just through this matter of God being gracious. You're, I like you. I appreciate that. Yeah. You're not too bad yourself. Well, thanks. <laughs> you don't deserve it. I know. <laughs> I don't yeah. deserve it. And it's just great, like, the posture of the psalmist here, saying, you know, God, be great. I don't deserve any of this. Yeah. And yet you're able to do it, and, and you're willing to come down and give me something I don't deserve. And that's that, that mindset is what we need, that the holding God in such esteem, um, knowing that he's so awesome and we're so not. Yeah. And yet a God that created all things is, is gracious to us. It's just a mind-blowing concept, yeah. too, like, and it changes your whole perspective on life as yep. we go through the yep. word. As we think about this and work through it, you know, in our kind of honor of our acrostic passage here, there's a really simple way to respond to the gospel message. It's the ABCs. The first A, admit that you're a sinner, that you can't do it, you don't deserve it, you're separated from God. B, believe that Jesus died for you and he rose from the grave to give you life with God that lasts forever. And then C, to confess with your mouth to tell God first and foremost, this is what I'm trusting in alone. And then it'd probably be a pretty good idea to to share it with an actual human too. But uh, to respond, if you'd like to know more about this gospel message, you can visit our gospel page on the website and it's always available there on the front page at branchlife.church. God is gracious. He's also a, a confidence builder. He steadies, he fortifies, he steals our steps Verse 103, keep steady my steps according to your promise. I, we watched as a family a couple months ago the movie The Finest Hours. I think it's on Disney Plus now, so a lot of our movie watching has to do with Disney. Um, but uh, The Finest Hours is the story of the most daring rescue in Coast Guard, U.S. Coast Guard history. 
And the main actor there that's portrayed by Chris Pine, I think, uh, goes and he ends up on this little tiny bolt, boat going out into the middle of a huge nor'easter gale in the middle of winter to almost certain death. And the whole, a lot of the movie is about how he steals and fortifies the resolve of the two other guides that are on this boat that are going off on this impossible mission to rescue these guys that are, that are stuck on a sinking ship out in the middle of the ocean. It's a great movie. He saves them all. It's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing story. It's the finest hours. God, way more than that, steals our resolve. You know, we get into life and stuff happens and all of a sudden we're disoriented. We don't know where we're at. We're scared. God comes alongside and fortifies us. Yeah, one of my absolute favorite verses in the whole Bible, Ephesians 2.10, you know, and it says where God has gone before you uh, for the good works that God set before you for you to step into. It's the whole idea that it's not me doing all these things that God's called me to do. He's already went before us and made our way secure. And that we know that as a promise that he's given us and that we trust in him, that, that God goes before us so that our steps can be confident and not relying on Scott's power or Scott's yeah. Abba yeah. gifts, but the fact that God's already went before us and, and steadied our steps yeah. in that sense. Is, and it's so impactful. Yeah. He's also a protector. Uh, it says in verse 133 there, uh, let no iniquity get dominion over me. And iniquity there, we often rightly think of sin. Don't let sin get over me and evil in that. And that's certainly part of that here. But this word that's used here is even broader than that. And it kind of includes every category of bad things that would happen. There's harm, there's disaster, there's lawlessness. God is saying, like, don't let any of these things harm you, impact you. God is our protector. Alex, I know you played baseball. Mm. For some reason, base, I was, baseball was not my, I, no sports were really my sport. <laughs> baseball was definitely not my sport. I got a hairline fracture the one year I played baseball in my year. In your year? I'm, uh, the one year I played baseball as wow. a kid. I've never seen my coach happier. <laughs> <laughs> he probably wasn't the most star oh, guy. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to figure out how to get Scott in. Baseball players are notorious. Did you ever have a good luck charm in baseball? Uh, like, they do all sorts of yeah, crazy things. You to, didn't want to smell my socks. Yeah, yeah. That's for sure. They, uh, they didn't get changed all year. Right. Somehow, like, we often get these ideas. Like, if I do this little thing, yep. if I have this little charm, if I, like, then I'll be protected. Everything mm. will go well. I'll get the hit in baseball. I'll mm -hmm. make the, the play. Yeah. As believers, like, we have a real protector in God, and someone that can actually do something about it. It's like the all-powerful creator of the universe, um, who is our protector, not some little stinky socks. Yeah, you're trying to tell me that my stinky socks were not the reason for my extremely high batting average. <laughs> no. Yes. But I'm sure it. God in his providence <laughs> somehow factored that into the equation, but uh, yeah, no. Yeah. Well, in the next verse there, mm -hmm. uh, verse 134, it says, uh, redeem me from man's oppression, that I may keep your precepts. The fact is that God is a redeemer. And now when I thought of redeemer when I started going through this, I thought of giant. Right? Every Thanksgiving, my wife has enough points to go redeem a free turkey. 
All right, she has access to remove that turkey from giant yep. and take it home with yep. her. Yep. Right? And here the, the psalmist is crying out, Lord God, be my redeemer. And he's talking about all the things that man has, has reigned over him. So the idea of re, uh, redeemer is buying out or ransoming, ransoming someone out of something. Right? And man's oppression, that's like, oppression is like tyranny, exploitation, like just weighing on someone. Yeah. Right, control over someone, yeah. and this guy, and, and the psalmist here. It, 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 I think it was most likely David, but we don't know that for sure. But if you think about David's life and what he went through, at one point, I mean, he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. Thought he was. I mean, he fought Goliath. Like, you know, he he went all in for Jesus, and all of a sudden he's on the run from Saul, and he's held up in a cave. Like he's like, God, what what is going on? Redeem me out of this situation. And it's to keep your precepts, yeah. right? Take the fear of man away from me so I can follow you. Yeah. Uh, I read through First and Second Samuel last year as, as part of going through the Bible for, for me, and, and it was just amazing to me how many times David actually could have, like, killed Saul or gotten rid of the bad guy on his own, and he said, no, I'm going to let God do it. Right. And I know, like, for me, like, if somebody mistreats me, That's not the approach yeah. I take. Like, I, like, want to figure out how to get him back or, or how to, to, to fix the situation. But to stand back and to say, whoa, I'll let God redeem me, get me out of this, is, is pretty crazy. It's, it's amazing trusting yeah. God, yeah. I say. And yeah. it sort of plays into the next one, that God is our enlightener. All right. Uh, verse 135 says, make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. And this, this, this word in here, make your face shine, is the same word that's used in verse 130 where it says light. It's saying, God, make these situations, like, so we're talking about David, and I'm, I'm just picturing him held up in this cave, yeah. right, with all these armies chasing him. And it's saying here, like, God, make the situations that are around me, the troubles, the, the hardships around me, look so insignificant compared to who you are, right? I'm held up in a cave. I have hundreds of people coming around me. God, let me see, enlighten this situation. He brings him in. He goes bathroom right in front. I mean, like, and then at the end of it, it's so I can keep your statutes or, or, or uh, uh, keep your ways. Like, <clears throat> you know how hard, like you were saying, it would be if God delivered your enemy right in front of you to not take them out. Yeah. And what's he do? How dare I lay a hand on God's anointed? That's what he said. He said, it's not for me to take care of this situation right now because I'm trying to honor God. And he enlightens us in that situation. And then he's our teacher. He's our teacher um, in verse 135. And it's, it's talking about that same, the same thought that David had right there, how not to take it into his own, old, his own hands. Um, when we go through life, sometimes... Being selfish seems like a really good idea. <laughs> you know, like, I can, I can make an easy buck real quick. Or maybe even steal in a situation. Maybe lie in a situation. Uh, maybe pursue covetedness. I mean, like Christmas time, all these presents are getting opened up. My kid got a lasso. I want a lasso. <laughs> right? right? You know, and it's hard for me not to be, be jealous of that. And it's my natural state is to be selfish. And we need to look at who God is, right, in the light of who he is, and, and realize that, it's him that's going to do a work in us. You said earlier that we're like dead in our trespasses. Like yeah. our natural state is just bad. 
right? And it's only a work of God and looking on who he is that can allow us to do his statute, uh, do his laws, do his precepts, do his things he called us to do. Yeah, and that that God helps us with that, you know, great teachers, Mm -hmm. you know, make a difference, help you like understand something and and see something that's really beyond your knowledge uh, to do that. And that's what God said, you know, teach me your statutes. The reality is that our lesson today, that life is only understandable when we think about it by God, we can say it this way, uh, similarly, that says life is understandable when we know there is only one ultimate question. Am I trusting God? If you're trying to figure out a life circumstance, there's a surprise at work that you weren't expecting and it's causing you anxiety. Maybe you don't have work. Maybe there's a, a health scare or cancer, or there's this thing called COVID if you haven't figured it out yet. Like, there, <laughs> there, there's all of these uncertainties. Like, what is going on? It boils down to one question. Am I trusting God? And, and this isn't an exhaustive list here in, in Psalm 119 that lists out all of God's characteristics, his attributes. But, but it's a pretty big, good start. And so, Alex, like, as we look at this list again of these seven attributes that, that we've worked our way through, and, like, how does this actually play in our life? Our, our theme is that life is understandable when we know God. How do these things help you understand? How have they helped you understand a circumstance in your life? Absolutely. I mean, in the last three years, it seems like there's been just a complete war of crisis and, and struggles that go on in our lives. But with my wife and my family in particular, um, there's just been situations that if we didn't have Christ, if we didn't know who God was, that he loved us, that he cared for us, that he was responsive, that he, he sort of showed us the situation wasn't as big compared to who he was, uh, we would have crumbled. Like, for sure. I mean, there's not many people that 10 days before they have a child get diagnosed with breast cancer, right? And, and in that situation, we could be like, oh, man, God, what the heck are you doing right now, you know? And, and we do, actually. I mean, we cry out, like, God, you, I need some help right now. I don't know how we're about to handle this, right? And, and how do these situations come around? Do, are you really in control? Do you really have this all under, under control? Do you really love me? Because if you really love me, I'd probably wouldn't be a way that I would go about this right now, right? Right. So you just, just so, like, you slid it in there, but just so everybody knows what you're talking about, your wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. Yes, so my wife, we were on our second child, we were about to already have our, our, our next baby, 10 days before, found a lump or whatever, long story short, but she got diagnosed with breast cancer 10 days before we had our child. So it was like this mixed emotion of, yeah. we're excited for a baby, not super excited about the cancer. Right. right, it's not. That's it wasn't. wasn't my highlight yeah. of the whole yeah. journey. Yeah. Right. Um, and so we went into this whole situation, and uh, you really had to. Uh, Pastor Bill said one time that that God's not taken by surprise. It's not like God all of a sudden went, what? What just happened? Yeah. He knew it was coming, and he had it all prepared. Yeah. And the fact that we could get, all right, God, you're in control. We know you love us. You're protecting us. You know, even if stuff really goes south, right, it does not change the fact of who you are. 
And it was amazing to see my wife in that situation when the doctors would come in. It was, it, I, the picture pops in my head all the time. She's holding our baby girl, right? And then the doctor's like, so tomorrow you start chemo. Like, and she's like, all right. And I was like, what, what? You're all right? You know, what are you doing right now? And the doctors, same thing. They were like, are you in shock? Like, you know, you're about to go through this grueling process of battling cancer. And she's like, yeah, I know who got me. Yeah. And I'm like, who did I marry? Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's pretty all right. She's pretty all right. Yeah, but, yeah. but what it was is that they could see Alex, I called it the confidence in Christ. Knowing that, that God is, or, or is responsive, that he lo- he's gracious to us, that he protects us, that he's redeemed us, that he's enlightened us, and that he teaches us how to handle these situations going into it. And I think there's a huge contrast in where people that have the knowledge of who God is and the people that do not. Um, Especially you've seen it through through COVID and all these crises going on. The people whose faith is built and their hope is built on Christ and on who God is can handle a crisis way better than people who are maybe putting their hope in money. Health, yeah, right? That's a great one to put in right, right now. Health, money, you know, popularity, job, position. Um, and it's just night and day how we can see the difference in that. Yeah. Um, and, like, it might be tempting, especially when people, like, have mistreated us, yeah. to be, like, kind of take a know-it-all position or, a, like, you really need to, like, figure it out. Yeah. And that's what sort of what verse uh, 136 says. It says, my eyes shed te- streams of tears because people do not keep your laws. And now that's an easy way, that, that verse, you can sort of take that two different ways, but I'll tell you the real meaning in a second. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm upset because people are breaking God's law. How dare they yeah. do that? How dare they take the Lord's name in vain? How dare they, they live that lifestyle? Right? But that's not what it's saying here. It's saying, just as we are talking about light, they're blind to the fact that there's a God. They're blind to the fact that, that he is so amazing, right? That he's in control of things. And it's just this image. You want to have this image or, or uh, this posture of compassion instead of condemnation, yeah. right? It, it's like they're walking in the dark with no light. And they just keep bumping into things. And they keep falling into things. And they keep just, they don't see what's going on. And at that point, you feel bad for them. You don't, you don't hate them. You're not mad at them. You're just like... Hey, turn your flashlight on. Right. Come on, like, yeah. let's go. Let me show yeah. you the hope that, that we have. Yeah. I know we had a situation, my wife and I, the other day, that my, my, my family was put in a really bad spot. And it was someone's fault, like, really bad. And my first instinct, if you want to get me mad, mess with my wife and my kids. <laughs> like, it'll get me going, That's right? surprising. I would have never got <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's my trigger. Put it that way. No. Anyways, it, so they put it in a situation... And, and your first instinct is to be really mad at these people. They're struggling with different addictions and struggles and stuff like that. But then in reality, once you start thinking about how God's been so gracious to you and how we don't deserve it, and the fact that they don't know God, and they keep falling back into the same thing over and over and over, you feel bad. You, you have compassion for them. You actually, it turns your whole anger, something I'd be super mad about, to man, I want to help you now. Yeah. I, want, I want to help share the hope that I have in God. Yeah, it's, it's when we know how God, who God is and what he's done for us, mm-hmm. 
like we, we can't help but have that same posture towards towards other people, or we shouldn't <laughs> uh, with with his help. I mean, and it's only a God thing, right? Right. It is not anything we can do. We cannot read enough verses and take enough self help to try to have compassion on someone. It's yeah. a change that God only does yep. on us as we look at Him, who He is. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that kind of brings us back to then the, the opening idea of this section of like, how do we know who God is? We know him through the Bible. And yeah. so we should desire the Bible because we need its benefits. Uh, and the, the primary benefit is not, you know, we, we often, and I'll say it again, it's not a bad thing to say. Like, we've got the instruction manual for life right? Like, but that is not the primary benefit of the Bible. It's a great benefit. The primary benefit of the Bible is God. It tells us who God is, what he's like, how he loves us and builds confidence and redeems us and does all of these things that we've talked about this morning. And, and it says, verse 131, like, I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commandments. I always like this imagery that, that comes up to mind. Like if you grew up in church, you may have known of this chorus. It's kind of like really syrupy sweet. As the deer panted for. Okay, so whenever I see this imagery in script, like that's kind of like my default and like it's kind of like this kumbaya moment that you have in, in, with the Bible and that. The real picture is like, Somebody was going to hurt you, and you started sprinting as fast as you could, and you finally get away, and then you're doubled over, trying to fill your lungs with air because you can't breathe. For me, like that takes just like the, the person better not be able to move, like <laughs> run out of air very fast. But like you're trying, like you need air to. It's not this sweet. Oh, isn't this? No, it's like life necessity. We need to approach the Bible in that way. And we need to, to know that the primary benefit of the Bible is not an instruction manual, although it is that. It tells us about God. And because of that, it has intrinsic value. value. It's valuable in and of itself. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul keeps them. We see God and we know who he is because of his word. Alex, as we've talked and, and worked through this, like, I appreciate at the beginning your transparency and I think all of us nod and say, yeah, we, we should be more consistent and, and all of that. But, but what stood out to you? What was like a takeaway for you as, as we worked through this process together? Yeah, I, I think it, it reassured and a takeaway was how grateful I am that God's given us his word to reveal the truth of who he is. I think too often in this time and age that, that the culture and uh, the, the people around us, they don't have a right view of who God is. Even myself doesn't have a right view of God sometimes, but I'm really grateful that, that God's given us word to really see who God is and the truth of who he is. I think that, that idea of the instruct for me, like somewhere along the, the way it clicked. And uh, 
that verse that where Jesus says, you know, take my, my yoke is easy, my mm. burden is light. Like in my version of the Bible, the, the, you know, copy, I, there's 1,400 pages. Like, that's not like <laughs> it's a big instruction manual, right? But then you realize, oh, it's really just one instruction trust God. And then that's explained a million different ways within the pages of Scripture. Like, oh, God is able to help all of this. And so when my wife goes into a new situation at work and it's the nature of her job, she's always going into dysfunctional communities and trying to help them and like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, okay, let's, let's think about who God is and what's really true and, and take a look at that. If you're like me, uh, somewhere along the way, you've gotten uh, on a mailing list or that, maybe from some Christian organization or a church or, or those types of things. And in the last week or so, you've probably gotten 20 emails with reading Bible reading plans for the year. And there's McShane's and there's this and there's that. There's chronological and they're awesome. They're all great. Pick one of them or just read. Like, but is that what reading and engaging with the Bible is all about. Maybe. But if we miss God and we just, like Alex said, click a box off and say, man, I got through Leviticus this year and I went even further in my Bible reading plan. <laughs> like, it was awesome. Like, I'm good. But we miss God. We've, we've missed out on it. And I'd encourage you maybe to, to think about what did you learn about God from the Bible this last year? What will you learn this upcoming year from the Bible? We can post our scenic pictures with Bible verses overlaid on them. Um, that's great. But the most beautiful picture is when your wife <laughs> is holding a baby and the doctor says, all right, chemo starts tomorrow. And she has confidence because of who God is. And that's what we can all have this year. Uh, we really encourage you to, to take a specific next step or two each time that we gather. And our next steps this morning is one, regularly read the Bible, seeking to know God's character. If you use a reading plan, great. If you need help finding one, I would be happy to pass along one of the 20 emails that I got uh, that, that will give it to you. Um, if you read like five chapters a day, you'll get through the Bible in less than a year. Uh, read and look for God's character. And then I want to invite you, if you would like the support of maybe some other people that are going, not that we're all reading the same thing at the same time, but we're going to create a private Facebook group and just to put in there and say, hey, this is what I'm reading. I was confused about this. Anyone help me out? Or, hey, this was encouraging to me today. And that it'll be a private group, so it's not something that's going to get shared and seen by everyone else. But if you would like to participate in that, just put Bible Facebook on your connection card, and we'll make sure that you get the invitation and get put into that group. And we can work together this year to know God more through his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that you are such an amazing God, and that when we know you, the rest of life makes a whole lot more sense. God, help us to trust you. Help us to see you through the pages of scripture. Uh, help us to love you 
more. Thank you that you have communicated to us, that you respond to us, that you're gracious and loving. God, help us to, to fall into that this year when the next unexpected surprise hits. God, we need you, and we need your help. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Hey guys, thanks again for diving into God's word with us. We hope that it spoke to you in a special way. Don't forget to fill out that connection card before you log off. You can go to branchlife.church to find that, or you can just click the link that was shared in your chat. Hey, if this was a blessing to you, it would be a favor to us if you would pass the word along, share it online, tag a friend, or hit the like or subscribe buttons. All of those things just do a, a lot of good, and we would appreciate that very, very much. We hope that you have a great Christmas season, and anytime you want to connect with us, you can find us right back here. So join us next time as we continue on uh, in God's Word.